We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show. That's Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, May the 31st, 2021. Happy Memorial Day, folks. And first things first, we have got a packed show here on this Monday, here on this Memorial Day. We start with Gamecocks baseball. Postseason baseball is returning to Founders Park for the first time since 2016 as South Ghana Founders Park has been selected as one of the 16 regional hosting sites for the regionals, which will begin this weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll break all that down. Also, we'll look ahead to the selection show that is happening today on ESPN2 at noon, guys. Also, we are talking Carolina football as we continue along with the 2021 opponent preview series today, guys. We are breaking down the Gamecocks week two opponent, the East Carolina Pirates. Guys, I'll break down the Pirates in their entirety. Of course, also, we'll talk about the all-time series record, their last meeting, talk about ECU's record in 2020, their head coach, how they fared last season, best returning players on offense and defense, the overall outlook of the program, as well as the game. Much, much more from there as well. Also, guys, we've got listener questions and a fantastic conversation on the South Carolina football side of things. Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike of That SEC Podcast, joined me for a fantastic conversation talking everything from Shane Beamer, first-year expectations, the 2021 football season, his overall SEC outlook. Guys, much more from there. Again, we got a packed show here on a Monday, folks. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, services will separate Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging your special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to to their website, upstateMoversGroup.com. That's upstateMoversGroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it. 
folks, most of the time I come into a show pretty composed, pretty put together, knowing exactly what I want to say, knowing exactly how I want to start a show. I'm not sure that today is necessarily one of those days because yours truly is so freaking hype right now, so giddy, so excited, so full of energy. I don't even really know what I want to say. I'll say this first, though, guys. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Happy Monday. More importantly, happy Memorial Day to you all, guys. Wherever this may find you, heck, I know many of you are off today, probably on vacation. You might be by a body of water, the lake, the beach. Hey, maybe you're hungover today. I know a lot of us are hungover or whatever it may be, nursing a hungover, a hangover. Not the, not the Sunday scaries, but it's the Monday scaries. But again, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're listening to this show, guys. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Truly appreciate it. hope you had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. If it's still going, like I said, you're still on vacation, whatever it may be. Hey, maybe you're in the car and you're on the way back from vacation. You're tuning into us. Thank you all so much for tuning in. we got a lot to get into here on this Monday. So much to talk about. So much to go over, guys. And again, of course, let's go ahead, jump right into it. The reason. The reason that I am so pumped up, and there's so much happening this week, by the way, around this, but the reason I'm so pumped up, I'm recording this right now, it is 9.38 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday night, May the 30th, and of course, you know what that means, just an hour ago, it was announced, it was released, Founders Park, one of the 16 host sites for the regionals this upcoming weekend. Yes, postseason baseball will be played at Founders Park for the first time since 2016. Of course, by the time you're hearing the sound of my voice, this may have already happened. It may be going on currently. But at noon today, the Field of 64 selection show will take place noon Eastern on ESPN2. We will find out what seed South Carolina is where they're going, which, of course, we all tend to believe, we all tend to think, and I I would be shocked if it's not the Gamecocks will be playing at home in Columbia. But we will get a full look at the landscape, the layout, the bracket will take shape. We'll find out who's hosting the regional. Most of us tend to think it's going to be Old Dominion. But bottom line is this, the Gamecocks are hosting. And take five seconds right now, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, Say your apologies to Mark Kingston. Go shoot off a fire off a tweet. Do whatever you got to do. Go write him a letter, whatever it may be. Because, hey, just five or six days ago, people wanted Mark Kingston fired. And now all of a sudden it's like, hmm, looks like that Mark Kingston guy kind of knew what he was doing. It looked like he might have known something. We didn't know. Anyways, I digress. Great news, though, for this ball club. I'll tell you this, too, guys. Did South Carolina benefit from a weird year in the sense of the way that regional host sites were selected? Absolutely. They they did. No question. You know, when the sites were narrowed down to the 20 and then getting narrowed down to 16, and if you weren't in that original 20 that got picked, you didn't have a chance. And Old Dominion, who, again, is most likely, you guys may know already at this point, but is most likely going to be the number one seed in Columbia, that was the case for them. And I said in the beginning, you know, I thought who it was going to hurt were the smaller schools, a school like Old Dominion, who is probably going to have to come to Columbia and play as a host, quote unquote, a host on the road. On the road. But with that being said, because a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, South Carolina didn't deserve to host. They they don't deserve to be hosting this weekend. All this stuff. Guys, 
I think South Carolina actually does deserve it. I, I thought they did deserve it before the SEC tournament. I thought the Gamecocks did enough in the regular season to deserve it. When you factor in things like strength of schedule, when you factor in a thing like RPI, and get this, guys, the Gamecocks were narrowed down and selected as one of the top 20 host sites when they were 12-12 and 12 in SEC play. They went 4-2 and two over the last two weekends in the SEC. They went 4-2. and two. How can you tell me they don't belong in the top 16 when they were in the top 20 and then went 4-2? and two? How does that math work? So for those people that might be saying, oh, the Gamecocks don't deserve this, they shouldn't be hosting, you know, uh, that, that's just total bogus and BS on my mind. Again, did South Carolina benefit a little bit from the system? Sure. Sure. No doubt. I think we can all admit that. But to say the Gamecocks are unworthy or did not deserve it, I think it's total BS is bogus. They were right there on the cut line, right on the cusp. And I'm so happy for this group of guys, Mark Kingston, his coaching staff, this entire program, you know, after a season where did you necessarily get over the hump? Did you get over the hump that you want to get you hope in the postseason you can get over, which is taking down an elite team? You know, we watched the SEC tournament all week, and I know I did. I'm not sure if you guys did. I watched the SEC tournament. You look at Arkansas, man. Dude, I would put my money on Arkansas right now to win the whole thing. I will put my money on them right now. Tennessee, elite. Florida, elite. I know they're not quite the same team you played in the first half, but you swept them. Again, Florida, elite. Tennessee, Arkansas. All these teams you played and you were so close, you just weren't able to go over that hump. But the fact of the matter still stands that the Gamecocks did not lose a series to a team ranked outside of the top 12 in the country. And they swept the 13th-ranked Florida Gators. So, a cheers to Gamecocks baseball, man. Release the Roosters. Release the Reapers. It is going to be one hell of a week in Columbia. Again, postseason baseball. Returning to Columbia, South Carolina for the first time since 2016. Guys, on that note, by the way, I have got a couple of very, very exciting announcements that I want to drop right here, right now. You know, it's funny. I had to turn my phone face side down because I'm getting so many texts right now that I'm like, all right, guys, let me lock in. Let me record the show. I know we're all excited. I know we're setting things up, whatever. Got a couple of things, though. And you may have seen these already on social media by the time you're hearing the sound of my voice, but I just want to remind you in case you have missed it because some really exciting stuff happening this week around Gamecocks baseball hosting this weekend at Founders Park. First one is this. I am very excited to announce. You guys have most likely certainly at this point seen or heard uh, or familiar with our partnership with our latest partner, Dason and Shalabi Law Firm, right? It's been a great thing. Uh, yeah, been a great thing thus far. And you guys know, you may know, we did a giveaway a couple of weeks ago for a Beamer Ball t-shirt, which went really well. Appreciate everybody that participated. We are doing another giveaway this week. And I can tell you what, folks, it ain't a T-shirt. It is much bigger, much badder. I'm very excited to announce we are giving away two tickets to this weekend's regional at Founders Park. And these tickets, they are a booklet. And if you don't know what that means, when you buy tickets to a regional, you have to buy a booklet. It gets you a ticket to every single game in the regional. So even when South Carolina's not playing, the other, you know, three teams, obviously, whenever the, the, the other games are going on, the tickets are going to get you into every single game of the regional. So we are giving away 
two tickets to two very lucky Gamecock fans. That giveaway, again, whenever you're hearing the sound of my voice, that giveaway is starting today, and it will run through the end of Wednesday. I will set an end time probably in the afternoon, 6 or 7 o'clock or whatever, because I wanted to run it long enough to let everyone participate, but obviously people need to make plans for the weekend. But again, we are giving away two tickets to this weekend's regional at Founders Park. Very, very excited to partner up with Dason and Shalabi Law from again, it'd be ran through social media very similarly to how we did our giveaway for the Beamer Ball t-shirts. So guys, please be sure to stay tuned for that. And even if you don't need tickets, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you don't need tickets, Hey, if you got a buddy, you got a friend, whoever it is, anybody in your life that you needs tickets, that wants tickets, I'm very excited to help out a couple of Gamecock fans, get them to Founders Park, get them in the ballpark, because we need all of the rowdy roosters we can get to pack out Founders Park. Another thing really quickly, you guys may have seen, uh, and we've become good friends, I feel like, you know, even more so recently, we've always been kind of in touch and talking to each other and supporting each other's content. But my good buddy, Jeff O'Hara, you guys probably know him better as Cox by 90, and he's all over social media, puts out a podcast. We are actually collabing together this week for two separate events, which I'm very, very excited about. Again, he's extremely passionate about the Gamecocks. We've hung out a lot of baseball games. He hit me up. He said, hey, Chris, you want to collab on this? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, you know what? getting to talk about our Gamecocks with another great Gamecock and look ahead and, and, and share our excitement for South Carolina baseball and what they're going to do this weekend. Why not? I'm jumping at the opportunity. Let's freaking get it. So first things first, Thursday night, we are having a live remote show, TSUS collabing with Cox by 90, downtown Columbia at Get the Location, Get the Location, Halls, the restaurant halls off of Main Street in Columbia. TSUS, Cox by 90, collab, a live show. It'll start at 7 o'clock, run from 7 to 8. And again, of course, guys, we'll be there downtown talking Gamecocks, looking ahead to everything with the regional, breaking everything down, giving our predictions, taking questions, all that good stuff. And it'll run through the exact channels that the Daily Crow runs through. So, of course, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Twitch. We'll be live on all of those channels. I will get a graphic put together if I already don't have it out by the time you guys are hearing this. I will get that put together and get that published and get, and get that announcement put out there uh, ASAP, for sure. So we are doing that live show, TSUS, collabing with Cox by 90. Very excited. Appreciate Jeff is the one that really even sparked this. Uh, you know, he, he's the one that put this together, if you will. And I, you know, obviously I obliged. I was like, hey, man, let's talk Gamecocks baseball. Would love to do so. So very, very excited. Looking forward to doing that with Jeff. Cox by 90. Going to be a really good time again. Thursday night in the city, in Columbia, at Halls, downtown, right across the street from the State House. We're going to have the State House in the background. It is going to be an incredible setup. And again, just getting to talk kind of baseball and postseason baseball in Columbia cannot freaking wait. On that note as well, with my buddy Jeff O'Hare, and the details are to come with this announcement, but we are going to be collabing and throwing a tailgate as well this weekend outside of Founders Park in the main big parking lot across the street from Founders Park. So you see, guys, when good things happen to the Gamecocks, Good things happen to the Spurs Up show. Good things happen to business. Exciting things happen. And you know what that means? Good things happen for you all, giving you more events, more value, more content, all of those things. So, again, 
Live show coming on Thursday, live from halls across the street from the State House with Cox by 90. And then Friday or Saturday, sometime this weekend, we're going to throw a tailgate right next to the baseball season. All of those details will be shared on social media, by the way. But I want to give you guys just a heads up, make that announcement. And also, we're giving away the two tickets. So again, Gamecocks, bottom line, though, all of those special things revolving around the fact that South Carolina is hosting this weekend at Founders Park, postseason baseball, coming back to Columbia for the first time since 2016. And again, as a Gamecocks fan, yes, this team has been very, very up and down. This team has been inconsistent. There are still real deficiencies and real issues with this baseball team. But I'll tell you what, guys, I'll tell you this, playing non-conference competition at your home ballpark, I think you got to feel pretty good if you're a South Carolina fan. I, I think you got to feel pretty good. Again, it, you, we can be excited just for the simple fact that there's going to be baseball played at Founders Park yet again. But when you start looking, and we'll do this later in the week, guys, we'll break down all the teams in the regional. And I'll break down, you know, how, how everything sets up for South Carolina and what the, you know, I'll give my predictions. We'll do kind of the normal thing if you will going into a weekend, but at home. Gamecock baseball in the postseason at home. You know, we break down the regular season. We talk about the regular season, this, that, whatever. The postseason is where South Carolina baseball shines. Just get to the regional. We know how to win here. We've won here. We're going to continue to win here in the future. This is familiar territory for South Carolina baseball. This is where you come to South Carolina to play regionals and play postseason games at Founders Park. This is what you work all season to get to this point. So again, you're a Gamecocks fan. You've got to feel really, 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 really excited for one. But number two, you should be very optimistic, in my opinion, about the chances for South Carolina to run through its own regional and move into the Super Regional round. So again, Gamecocks are hosting. We will find out today at noon in the Field of 64 Selection Show on ESPN2 just who the Gamecocks will be accompanied by in the Columbia Regional. Exciting stuff. Going to be breaking that down all week, guys. Like I said, back to your originally scheduled programming. Of course, we're continuing along with the 2021 Opponent Preview Series for South Carolina football today, guys. We are breaking down the East Carolina Pirates, the Gamecocks Week Two opponent is South Carolina will travel to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, North Carolina, the first road contest of the Shane Beamer era. That game taking place Saturday, September the 11th at noon, again at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. The all-time series record. South Carolina leads this series with a 14-5 and record. The Gamecocks are currently on a four-game winning streak, believe it or not. And this has been a series, guys, that has been really, really Really close. I mean, we think about the last meeting, 2016. South kind of won that game 20 to 15. But guys, if you recall that game, and I remember it very vividly, I mean, there's been a couple, the last couple that South kind of you could look at and say, man, the Gamecocks are kind of lucky they came out on the right side of that one. Because that 2016 game, if you remember, that was the Brandon McElwain game. And he started the game, and A.J. Turner started that game off with like a like an 80-yard uh, kickoff return. You score on the first play. It's looking like you're going to blow him out. I think East Carolina, I think that was the day their receiver set the record. He had like 18 catches or something in one game. And uh, Jamarcus King had a couple of big interceptions, and they outgained you by like 300, 300 yards. And you still, you still somehow found a way to win that football game, I think back to 2000, I think it was 14 you played ECU. 
you know, that was a very back and forth game. And was a game that you felt like, man, East Carolina, you know, a couple ball bounces here and there, whatever could have beat you. Heck, you think back to when South Carolina was their best. I mean, you think to 2011, was it at Bank of America Stadium? Where Steven Garcia, Connor Shaw starts the game, fumbles on the first series. Steven Garcia's got to come in in the second half, save the day, and you win that game. It's a wacky, like, 52 to 38 type of game. And So there's been some really crazy back-and-forth games when it comes to South Carolina, East Carolina. Again, this is one certainly East Carolina is going to have circled on their schedule guys let's take a look at the 2020 record for east carolina they went three and six overall three and five in conference played just one non-conference game in 2020 and that was against let's see that was against i believe let's see they lost to UC, oh georgia state georgia state 49 to 29 they lost at georgia state in week two but the schedule went like this Lost to UCF, lost to Georgia State, won their first game at USF, and then went on a four-game losing streak, losing to Navy, Tulsa, Tulane, and Cincinnati, followed by wins to end the season against Temple and SMU. So, an up-and-down season for Mike Houston's squad. Again, Mike Houston, their head coach, he is in their third season as head coach. And East Carolina Pirate fans are definitely high on Mike Houston. Again, a very solid coach. I mean, a guy that... uh, you know, like I said, seven and fourteen in two years. His career record is eighty-seven and thirty-nine in ten years as a head coach, though. So again, he's already paid his dues. He has shown he is a winner, and fans are very excited about Mike Houston and his tenure. Like I said, how'd they fare in two thousand twenty? I mentioned guys three and six overall, three and five in the AAC. And you know, you think back to last year, and it's crazy with COVID and the pandemic. We know how it affected South Carolina, and we know how it affected the big schools and the Power Five. You think of schools like East Carolina, man, it's almost it's almost crazy to think they actually were able to get a season off the ground because of all of the challenges they faced and everything they had to overcome. And, you know, they didn't necessarily have the 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 the, the resources that a school like South Carolina would have with the testing and overcoming all the obstacles and stuff like that. So the fact they were able even able to have a season really speaks to, you know, just that that squad up there at ECU and the job they were able to do to get that thing off the ground. So again, three and six overall, three and five in the AAC. They did have a lot of really good individual performance, but defense, defense was the big issue in 2020, guys. Get this. Their 2020 statistical rankings, they averaged scoring 30.2 points per game. So not that bad. I mean, 50th nationally, but they gave up 35.4 points per game. Big, big issue. <laughs> big, big issue um, for ECU. And also the turnover margin. They were minus three in the turnover margin, which was 88th nationally. So some good individual performers, but overall as a team did have some glaring issues. Guys, let's look at their best returning players on offense and defense. We'll start offensively. And I'll be honest with you guys. I went back and forth on this one. I actually have a couple of ECU buddies that I was able to chat with. And I, you know, I, I just want to get their feedback, get their perspective. Like, hey, you know, ask them their questions. Like, hey, who's the best turning player on offense? Who's the best turning player on defense? All of these things that we talk about. Because again, they're going to have more knowledge and more perspective on their team than I or you or any of us are going to have. Just the same way we would if we were talking about South Carolina to somebody who's not a South Carolina fan. Because when you look at East Carolina offensively, the guy who initially jumped off the page to me is their running back. You know, we've got Kevin Harris. Well, they've got a Harris of their own in Rajay Harris. 
Uh, Rajay Harris won Rookie of the Year and was a first-team All-AAC runner. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry, 78 yards per game. Guys, Rajay Harris ran for 624 yards and four touchdowns, was their do-it-all guy on the ground. But again, talking to ECU people and digging a little bit deeper in the stats, the guy who is the best returning player on offense as a whole, and not only is he the best returning player, but I think he's probably the most important player. Guys, like we've said before, hey, we said about South Carolina this year, but we've said it before. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And a guy like Holton Ehlers gives you a chance. The junior, a veteran guy, he comes in this year. Last year went 165 for 269, 61.3% completion percentage. Threw for 1,921 yards, 18 touchdowns, which is good enough for 25th nationally. You think, guys, 18 touchdowns. Hell, they only played nine games. So he threw 18 touchdowns, 25th nationally, threw nine interceptions, and 240 yards per game. The big thing about Ehlers is this. Again, he's a playmaker, a homegrown kid. They want him to run less and stay in the pocket. Their offensive coordinator worked very hard with him, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Um, but they really believe, you know, especially with the weapons on the outside that he has, C.J. Johnson, Tyler Sneed, they've got some good weapons offensively. They really feel like Holton Ehlers can be the guy to take them to the next level. Again, it's a very balanced ECU attack, and Ehlers the guy, yeah, he, he's shown some inconsistency, but overall, a really good player for them, and this is the guy that the offense goes through. If he's on, this offense is going to be really successful. Again, you talk about Rajay Harris and that running game, but I think when you're talking best returning player on offense and most important player, I think you've got to go with the Pirates' signal caller, quarterback Holton Ehlers. Let's talk about best returning player on defense, guys. You know, I hate to keep comparing players to Ernest Jones, former South Carolina linebacker, because I did that with... Uh, with EIU as well. But I tell you what, man, you, you look at this East Carolina defense and the guy that, again, just jumped out to me and their best returning player, in my opinion, is a linebacker, a guy in the middle, linebacker Xavier Smith. He's an all-conference honorable mention guy, 72 total tackles last year. Again, guys, this comes in just nine games in the 2020 season, 72 total tackles, eight tackles for logs. He had two and a half sacks, one fumble recovery, and two forced fumbles. You know, it was a defense that really, really struggled last year, but a guy that was still able to put up those numbers, still able to be a force, be a disruptor, and really a guy, you look at guys, the heart and soul of that Pirates defense. So again, best returning player on offense, quarterback Holton Aylers, the best returning player on defense, in my opinion, linebacker Xavier Smith. He's going to be your guy. He's the quarterback of their defense, making all the checks, all the calls, and again, a run stopper, can do it in the passing game as well, just a well-rounded football player on the defensive side for ECU. Again, let's take a look at the overall outlook of this one, guys. The Pirates program will also get the perspective from the South Carolina side of things and just what this game means. Again, ECU building up that program in Mike Houston's third season. And they're optimistic. You know, East Carolina is a very, very proud football program. You know, you, you ask people around. I know ECU is not some, some huge program that's got some crazy large fan base. I will say this. The people that, you know, bleed the, uh, the, the purple and gold, if you will, that they are extremely extremely passionate. I mean, we all know, we've all heard stories, or if you've been to Greenville, you know how crazy their fans are. They love their football. They love their Pirates. But they are very optimistic, and they are very high on Mike Houston and what he's building um, 
in Greenville. Again, it's going to take time, and I think the fans up there understand that. They know that they got to be ha- they have patience, and the big questions are on the defensive side of things. But get this, guys, this 2021 East Carolina team. And it should be Mike Houston's best team in Greenville because they are a veteran team. 20 of 22 starters. 20 of 22 starters return for ECU. 10 on offense, 10 on defense. That bodes really, really well, especially for a coach, again, who's just in his third year to finally have that continuity and have a bunch of guys who are familiar with each other, who understand each other, who have played with each other. And, dude, I mean, you think about it. Yes, it's a defense that gave up 35.4 points per game. So you're saying, Chris, why does it matter that they have 10 guys returning that started? I mean, they were bad, you know. Experience doesn't matter. If it's bad experience, who gives a damn? You think they're going to make strides in year two under Blake Harrell? It was actually his first season last year in Greenfield, the defensive coordinator. But offensively is really where East Carolina this year, it's they're going to that's where they're going to win their games is offensively. Again, 10 returning starters on offense. I mentioned CJ Johnson, Tyler Sneed. Those are really, really good receiving options on the outside. You've got the running backs. It's not just Rajay Harris, by the way. Their backup, Keaton Mitchell, they've talked about as more of a shifty guy, kind of a home run threat. Sounds a lot like South Carolina's backfield situation. And again, 20 of 22 starters, that veteran presence, you cannot. You know, you cannot say enough how important that is for a football team. Like I said, guys, they're a balanced air and ground attack. They really want to be 50-50 ideally. Like I said, they've got talent on the outside. They've got talent at running back. They, of course, have to improve defensively, 35.4 points per game. they got a second-year defensive coordinator. But uh, this is an ECU team that is going to come into this football game fired up. If you think East Carolina is not going to have this game circled on its schedule, which, by the way, let's talk about that 2021 schedule. They opened the season, by the way, Thursday night, September the 2nd, against Appalachian State at Bank of America Stadium. What a season opener that is. What a treat that'll be to watch. They didn't. They then have, of course, the Gamecocks at home. They'll travel to Marshall. They have Charleston Southern, Tulane, then go to UCF. They go to Houston, USF at home, Temple at home, at Memphis, at Navy, and then Cincinnati to close out the 2021 football season. But you know that ECU, they are going to have this game circled, guys. The first trip for South Carolina to Greenville since 1997, their fourth trip all time. And I'll tell you this, guys. You know, I, I, I've so I've told you guys I've gone back and forth on it in regards to where this game ranks as far as the the most important games, the key games for this Gamecocks 2021 season. And you know, I'll be honest, when the schedule initially dropped, I looked at this ECU game as saying this is the key game because I talked about you know what. You can lose to Kentucky, you can lose to Mizzou, you can lose to Auburn, you can lose to Tennessee, and still get to six and six, which is your goal, right? That's your that is your goal in year one of Shane Beamer, getting to six and six, getting to a bowl game. You can lose all the games I just mentioned and still hit that six and six number. You cannot lose to East Carolina and get to six wins. You simply cannot do it. You have got to find a way to go three and one. In the non-conference, you know, over the course of the offseason, which, like I said, guys, I will lock in my official, you know, my, my official predictions, and I'll talk keys that are key game of the season and stuff like that. I'll lock that all in the second week of July when we do all that. 
But I've more so shifted to kind of look and say, you know what? You're probably right. That home game against Kentucky, it probably is a little bit more of a bigger game and more of a game that we should be looking at in regards to, okay, that's one you really need to win to show the program is back on the right direction and things are moving in a positive direction under Shane Beamer's leadership in year one. But this is a massive game. I mean, do not get it twisted. I'll tell you, the, the deeper I've dove on ECU, the more I sit here and say, guys, do not sleep on the Pirates. But please, please do not sleep on this game. Please do not come into this game saying, oh, we're just going to roll our helmets out there and we're going to get the W. It's no big deal. ECU's this. You know, we're a big, bad SEC school. ECU. I'm telling you right now, guys, East Carolina, 20 of 22 starters back. The Gamecocks have a ton of question marks on the defensive side of the football, specifically in the secondary. And a guy like Holt Naylor's, the guys on the outside like C.J. Johnson, Tyler Snead, they've also got a big-time tight end in Shane Calhoun. They've got guys that can hurt you through the air. So I think this is actually going to be a really, really interesting early season test for this South Carolina football team. Again, first trip to Greenville since 1997. You know it's going to be a packed house. Their fans are going to be fired up. Their fans are going to be rowdy. It's going to be a hostile environment. I think South Carolina kind of lucked up that this game is at noon, to be totally honest with you, because you know it would be crazy um, if it were a night game. But I just look at this game, and I, I may not proclaim it as the most important game of the 2021 season, but it might be the second most important. I mean, honestly, it, it truly might be the second most important game of the year in my mind. It's just simply one that you have to win. And I know a lot of fans say, Chris, the fact you're even talking about this game like this, like, man, it shows how down and out the program is. And it's with all due respect to East Carolina because to a degree, you're right. You shouldn't have to sweat a game like ECU. You really shouldn't with all due respect to your opponent. But East Carolina is not playing Eastern Illinois with all due respect to them. East Carolina, like I said, a very proud program. They've had a lot of really, really good football teams. They've had a lot of really, really good football players come through ECU. They will be prepared. They will be fired up. They will be ready to go, and it'll be up to South Carolina to make sure they're ready to answer the bell, to make sure they're ready to match that intensity, that effort, to make sure they're ready to play their best football because you're going to have to play your best football to win this game. Bottom line, bottom line. So, again, the overall outlook of the game, man, I, I think this game really sets up. And I'll be interested to see just what the spread is, too. What does Vegas think of this game? I think South going to be favored. No doubt I think South going to be favored. But this is one, guys, just right now, you know, way too early, you know, not necessarily predictions, but outlook. I, I could see this being a one-score game. I really could. I really could see this being a one-score game. You have to think South going will try to take advantage of ECU defensively because that is where they struggle, even bringing back 10 starters. You think to yourself, okay, it's 10 starters from a defense that gave up 35.4 points per game. I'm sure it'll be a heavy dose of Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, a lot of the running game, but you're going to have to have somebody step up at wide receiver. You're going to have to have other playmakers step up, and it's you know it's one of those things, like I said, man, second week of the season, we all kind of look non-conference. You're still getting your feet wet. You can kind of just ease into this one you don't have to show anything in the playbook and just get ready for georgia the next week all i'm saying is hey the gamecocks might go out there and beat them by 30 i don't know but you better show up ready to play because this has you know we use the phrase trap game in college football right we use that phrase trap game we throw that phrase trap game around all over the place this folks is literally the definition of a trap game 
do not fall for the trap that South Carolina is head and shoulders better and can just go out there and sleepwalk through this game, and they're going to take down East Carolina. Beware. Beware the Pirates. It is a trap game. South Carolina will need to play its best football to win because, again, you know ECU is going to pull out all of the stops to try to beat the Gamecocks. So, again, South Carolina, East Carolina, that is the breakdown of the ECU Pirates Saturday, September 11th at noon at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, North Carolina. We're planning on making the road trip up there, man. I've heard only good things. I've heard Greenville is an absolutely raucous environment. I heard it's crazy. I heard it's incredible. I got to get up there. I got to get up there. TSUS, we're planning on taking the tailgate up there. Very excited for that. And, again, that's, that's going to be a really cool game. That's going to be a really, really cool game, a fun game. It's crazy. It's been that long, 1997, since these two teams have met in Greenville. And hopefully it's not that long of a hiatus before they play in Greenville again. You know, I know a lot of people say, man, why are we playing them on the road? I don't want to play them on the road. I think it's actually cool. I think it's actually really, really cool. And I'm actually excited to get up there and catch a game at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. So again, that is the breakdown of the East Carolina Pirates. We also did take your questions regarding East Carolina. We got two questions here really quick. Austin G underscore 45 says, after the end of this game, will Lloyd be seen as RB1 after the first two games? Great question. And I would, I guess I'd like to pose, not to turn the question back on you, Austin. I, I'd love to pose this though. Would you guys predict, or do you think at any point that Marshawn Lloyd will take over as RB1. Do you think that'll happen? Because I, I wonder. I wonder if it will. You know, I think it's going to be a situation also of this. And I, if that does happen, I can't predict what game it is. I, I feel like I'm very hesitant to make predictions, like bold predictions on Marshawn Lloyd, because the fact of the matter is this. As good as I think he is, and as good as you think he is, and as good as we all think he's going to be, and I got nothing but belief and faith in this kid, right? Great kid, great work ethic, right mentality. He's going to get back on the field and be a massive contributor for South Carolina. But the fact of the matter is this. He has not played a single down in Garner Black. And I feel like it's almost a little bit of a disrespect to Kevin Harris to just assume that, oh, Kevin Harris is just going to let Marshawn Lloyd take his job. We're talking about the top returning rusher from a year ago in the SEC. So, I think it's going to be 1A, 1B all season, Austin. I, I don't know that it's ever going to get to a point where, oh, you know, Kevin Harris is just clear-cut one and Marshawn Lloyd is far distant two or, or the reverse scenario. So, I think it'll be 1A, 1B all season. I think they want to use both guys. I think they will use both guys. And, hey, it's a great problem for South Carolina to have when you've got two guys of the caliber of Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd. Last question here. Krusty Andy says, do the Pirates give us a scare this year or do we take care of business? Well, I think you can take care of business and get a scare. You know, again, I will lock in my predictions uh, in about a month, a little bit over a month, um, the second week of July, if you will. But I just... <laughs> Man, I tell you, I, I've got a really hard time believing that this won't be a close game. I, I know ECU has questions, and I know fans cringe because they're like, Chris, like, we literally play Georgia the next week. Are we really sitting here? We're that worried about East Carolina. Like, man, is the program really that far down? And I was the program really in that bad of shape. And I would say to you, 
it's just kind of where you are right now. And again, with all due respect, East Carolina, because they do have talented football players. Mike Houston is a good coach. They have a very proud program. And again, I think at home, they'll play their best ball. But yes, I think it's kind of where you are right now. As a football program, you have won a combined six games in the past two seasons. So until you prove it, until you show it on the field, you cannot take any opponent lightly. And that certainly goes for an East Carolina team that, like I said, offensively, they've got weapons all over the field. Defensively, yes, they struggled last year, but you got to think they're going to be improved on defense and then facing a Gamecocks team that has questions at basically every single position outside of running back and defensive line. Everything else is a mystery. Everything else is a mystery. So do I think South Carolina will take care of business in this game? Most likely, yes. Most likely, yes. But do I think it's going to be a close game that ECU will make it much closer than we all like it to be? I, I could certainly see that, Krusty Andy. I would certainly see that. I, like I said, I'll drop my score prediction uh, in about a month or so, but I, I just I find it really, really hard to believe that this will not be a tight ball game. I, I think ECU is going to pull out all the stops in this one. They've got this one circled. They're going to treat it as their quote-unquote Super Bowl, if you will, and the Gamecocks, like I said, better show up ready to play their best football in this one. So, again, guys, appreciate the questions. Appreciate everything. We got a great conversation, a great interview as well. This has been a, such a fun show, by the way, guys. I, I'm, I am so giddy, so fired up, so excited. I hope you are as well. Again, like I said, this Memorial Day, you guys probably have the day off. You're chilling. You're hanging out. You're on vacation, whatever it is. Thank you, thank you, thank you all so much for tuning in. Let me be a part of your Memorial Day. Letting me be a part of your long weekend. And also, by the way, remember the reason for Memorial Day. Honor those who have served. Honor those who have fallen. My brother, like I said, just deployed a few weeks ago, and I, I, you know, we obviously appreciate his service, but I know there's many of us other, you know, many others of us out there who, who know people or have friends or maybe directly affected us or people that, you know, maybe didn't come back or whatever may have happened. So just remember the reason for the day. Happy Memorial Day to you all, seriously. But again, hope you're enjoying yourself, relaxing. If you're working, if you're on the job, appreciate you as well. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in, for joining me here on this Monday, this Memorial Day. Like I said, guys, it's not over yet. We have a great conversation on the note of Gamecocks football. Michael Bratton, good buddy of mine, friend of the show, Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike of That SEC Podcast. He also does work with Saturday Down South, but mainly That SEC Podcast. He joined me, of course. We talked everything. Shane Beamer, the 2021 season, SEC football, Really, really good stuff and really fun and interesting to get Mike's perspective because Mike's a guy, he does not hold back. He said some things, guys, that you're going to be like, oh, wow, okay, I did not think about that that way. Or, wow, I can't believe he said that. Mike is not afraid to make the bold prediction, and that's why I like talking to Mike Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike, as you probably know him on social media. So, again, guys, Great conversation with Mike. Sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Guys, Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package. Guys, you know what they say. Like father, like son, the brand new lawnmower 4.0 and ultra smooth package is perfect for you and the dad in your life 
to complete your grooming game. Guys, you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code TSUS at manscaped.com. Again, guys, we've all been there, right? We're, we're cleaning up. We're trimming up. We cut ourselves. We nick ourselves. It's bleeding. It burns. It is just an awful situation. If your dad's been there, I'm sure he feels the exact same way. Guys, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated below the waist grooming and their brand new shaving tools just dropped right in time for Father's Day. Guys, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is now available in the USA and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from all the other trimmers you may ask? Well, This 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin-safe technology to keep your balls in check and has helped reduce manscaping accidents around the world. Guys, a new multifunction on and off switch can engage a travel lock created for jet setters. Also, the Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Also, guys, additional guard links with sizes one through four to let you trim to your liking. Guys, I love investing in the best new technology and advancements. I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level, guys. If you want to get the complete package, the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit to help keep your family jewels protected. Guys, the three steps are as follows. Step one, the crop exfoliator, which is infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin, feeling refreshed, reducing the risk of ingrown hairs by your delegates. Guys, step two, crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel, just the groin. And step three, of course, hey, at that point, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. Three precision blades include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. Guys, all three of these, by the way, are vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included. So you know your manhood is in good hands. Guys, stop imagining your dad has it covered because we all know he probably doesn't, right? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TSUS at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code TSUS. Guys, it's dad bod season. Time to get smooth. This is the perfect package for you and your dad's package. And again, we appreciate our friends over at manscaped.com for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you all, your love and support with the content, sharing the content, consuming the content, everything you guys do. Thank you all again so much. Now, enjoy this conversation with Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike of That SEC Podcast. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show, guys. Very excited. Friend of the show. He was on last year in times. Things were much, much different. March of 2020, the last time he joined us on the airwaves, He's Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike, editor for Saturday Down South and also co-host of That SEC Podcast. And like I said, guys, you can find him on social media. You probably know him better as SEC Mike. But again, Mike, appreciate you taking the time. It's a pleasure to have you on. And like I said, things were much different the last time you and I spoke. As time flies, you know, I I, I was looking back. I was like, has it really been that long? But you know what? It was literally pre-spring practice and I think even pre-pandemic the last mm-hmm. time that you and I spoke. But again, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to talk with you once again. Yeah, you got it. I'm cracking open a cold one. Looking forward to never having to speak about damn COVID again. 
And I got my uh, South Carolina koozie here, so we're rocking and rolling. Thanks for having Mike, me on. Mike, the irony of you doing that, by the way, I wasn't even going to tell you, but the irony of that, I was actually in the pool drinking a few cold ones myself right before we came on. So I'm I'm glad <laughs> we're on the same level and on the same page as people just to let you know we're recording this Friday going into Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, we're all enjoying ourselves. And I think one of the reasons, Mike, the first thing I'll ask you is this. One yeah, of the I don't reasons drink on Mondays in the middle of the day, just so you know. <laughs> No, I was, was going to say one of the reasons we're all enjoying ourselves is because we were joking off air, but how good does it feel? You know, we're less than a hundred days away from kickoff. You know, we did the whole countdown to kickoff thing last year, but we all kind of knew in the back of our minds, like there's probably no chance this season actually starts on time. How good does it feel? You know, we're under a hundred days to kickoff. We're getting kickoff times announced now. You know, South Carolina's got their first three games. I guess everybody, every school's got their first couple of games announced as far as kickoff times. How good does it feel? You know, I, I, I tell people, I'm like, how can you not have perspective after last year? Just how great does it feel, man, to know, like, we're going to start with week zero. And then, of course, the SEC season starting on Thursday with Tennessee. And then September the 4th is the big kickoff for everybody. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times someone, uh, I guess they thought they were being clever, but, you know, we do the countdown. Like you said, I know the Spurs Up show, you guys do it as well, but I'd say about 50% of the responses, there ain't going to be no football. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I heard that one 5,000 times yeah. already, but you're not going to stop me from doing what I do. You know what I yeah. mean? So just thank God that's gone. And now we'll get back to, you know, I'm getting called an idiot because I'm not crazy about South Carolina's coordinators or, because I think, you know, Alabama's not going to win the West, you know, on and on and on. So now they can just get back to call me an idiot, which I appreciate. Mike, trust me, we're going to get there. I promise you. I promise you. That's that's I got I literally have your Instagram pulled up. I'm I'm ready to get there. Uh -oh. First thing though, like I said, we haven't spoke, man, since March of 2020. A lot has changed in the landscape of Gamecock football. For example, there's a new guy roaming the sidelines this fall. I, I want to ask you first things first. Again. Will Muschamp gets canned, and I don't think you were surprised or a lot of people were surprised. Even going into a season with COVID, just the way the season went for South Carolina and just the hot seat he was already on, I don't think mm -hmm. many of us were surprised that they finally pulled the trigger, made the move. And then you saw the domino effect with Tennessee getting a new head coach, Auburn, Vanderbilt even, which was really shocking. Like, we all kind of learned, hey, the pandemic meant nothing to these schools, the boosters. If they wanted a new head coach, they were going to do so. But I'll ask you going back, though, when this happened and South kind of made the move, you know, the popular names that came up were Hugh Freeze, Billy Napier, Jamie Chadwell over at Coastal. Where, What direction, I guess, did you think South kind of was going to go? And how surprised, if surprised at all, were you that the Gamecocks hired Shane Beamer? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd say surprised, but because I think it was uh, Mike Uva who I think he does a hell of a job covering mm -hmm. the program. And yeah, everything. Mike does one hell of a job for sure. He, I think he was the first one to come out and say, you know, they're looking at Hugh Freeze. And, you know, I say Mike does a great job, and he does. But I think that was mostly coming from old Hugh Freeze because every damn <laughs> job that's open, Hugh Freeze is a candidate. Yet here we are years later, he's still at Liberty, and it was tough for even him to get that job. So, yeah, I guess, you know, when you start with a big name like Hugh Freeze – was a little bit surprising that uh, Shane Beamer got the job, but it was pretty evident that after that Hugh Freeze initial uh, rumors got going, that uh, Shane Beamer was the man for the job. And, you know, he just makes a lot of sense. And I think if you're not a South Carolina fan, um, trust me, I know a lot of my Tennessee buddies, 
they don't even know who the hell Shane Beamer is, but who cares if you're a Gamecock? I mean, you got your version of Sam Pittman, who last time I checked, he got his ass laughed off of, you know, when he got hired at Arkansas, he did a hell of a job. Uh, Coach O, there's still people, can Coach O really coach? Well, my God, he's got a national championship. You know, he's uh, one and one against Nick Saban the last two years. That's a lot better than most people. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I won't even name the uh, idiot in state, but I mean, he he's kind of like Shane Beamer. So, you know, you got to do something different. And I don't really understand why it took the SEC so long to, to stop saying, well, you know, the way we're going to beat Nick Saban is we're going to hire a Nick Saban guy and we're going to have less talent and a less capable coach, but we're going to copy the blueprint and maybe that'll work because we've seen time and time, we've seen it at South Carolina. We've seen it at Tennessee. Uh, I think we're even seeing it a little bit at Georgia, even though Kirby smarts, you know, done a really good job. That just ain't going to cut it. So you got to do something different. And I kind of, I applaud South Carolina for, for going in that direction. Yeah. Just for what it's worth, man, I, I think Kirby Smart is Will Muschamp with a better roster. I've said that on Twitter before, and hey, like I said, is he a little bit better of a coach? Sure, but people talk about what if Kirby came to Carolina. I think it would have been the same result. I'll be totally honest with you, man. I think it would have been. You bring up something really interesting. Before we get to the Gamecock specific side of things, Mike, I want to ask you this because, you know, I, I was fortunate enough during the coaching search after, you know, currently to talk with a lot of former Gamecock football players and alumni, and everybody wanted Shane Beamer, right? Like you mentioned, if you're not a South Carolina fan, you don't understand. It's a unique job. It's a unique challenge. But I want to ask you this, and some people may not like me for asking you this, but you mentioned the Nick Saban blueprint thing, and that became a thing. We saw it kind of start in the mid-2010s, and basically it was like, hey, you coach your Nick Saban, you get a job, you get a job. It's like Oprah Winfrey just handing out jobs in the SEC, right? <laughs> and we all kind of figured out, like, at some point, like, okay, just because you coached under Saban does not mean you are Nick Saban. Now, I ask you this, because I've heard a lot of comparisons this offseason, again, mostly coming from South Carolina people, but the new age of coach, if you will, is, oh, he is a CEO type, right? And a lot of South Carolina people draw comparisons to that idiot in the upstate that you mentioned. I feel like that's a little bit of a slippery slope. And as a South Carolina fan, it makes me cringe when Gamecock fans and alumni especially try to justify the hire by comparing him to that idiot in the upstate. Do you think that that model has real weight to hold like in the future? Like, do you think that coaches, I mean, there's more than one way to do it, but do you think that coaches, I think we all agree, like being Bobby Knight, you can't be that type of coach anymore with today's athlete. But do you think that is, there's real weight to hold there in regards to that is the future of coaching where you need to be that CEO type and kind of let your coaches do their thing? Because we understand the shortcomings of of Will Muschamp and we heard things about, you know, he always had his hands in the offense. He couldn't just let his guys do their thing, whatever. Do you think there's real weight to be held there? Or, like, what are your overall thoughts on that? Because when I hear that, as far as, like I said, from alumni and fans and everybody, it's like, man, like, I understand where you're coming from. And I I agree with the model. But it's just, it makes me cringe hearing people compare this situation to that situation. Well, I think it really just depends on the coach and the situation because, you know, I like uh, Lincoln Riley and what he's doing in Oklahoma, but, He's, I wouldn't call him a CEO. I'd call him, uh, you know, outstanding offensive coach and, and play caller. And I'd go, kind of go the same route with Dan Mullen. If you can get a guy like that, if you can get an Urban Meyer, 
uh, yeah, you go in that direction, but there's just a lot of merit to getting that CEO type, particularly a real young guy like Shane Beamer, because you know, he's going to attack the recruiting trail. Like it needs to be attacked for the Gamecocks to get back into contention in the SEC. But the trappings with that, I think we just look at LSU last year. Uh, I think they made, you know, a really poor decision at defensive coordinator with Bo Pelini and it blew up in their face. And here we are a year later after LSU had to replace both coordinators, they got to do it again. And how many times is that going to work? And I mentioned Sam Pittman uh, because I love the coordinator hires he made with Barry Odom and, and Kendall Bryles. But the, you know, the more progress Arkansas makes, the more likely those guys are going to leave either to become head coaches or maybe to take over at a place like Alabama or LSU to be offensive or defensive coordinator. So then you're in the same spot again, where you're kind of reliant on uh, the coordinators you hire. So, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but uh, that's another thing that I like about Shane Beamer is just, he's been all over the coaching ranks. We all know the connection with his dad that gives him, that opens a lot of doors, you know, throughout his youth and, you know, to his own credit, it's not like he coached his entire career at Virginia Tech. He went down to Georgia and Oklahoma and Tennessee and on and on and on. So he made his own connections. And uh, I think that'll serve South Carolina well in the years to come if they lose one or more coordinators to uh, head coaching ranks. Now, Mike, I want to move into your SEC power rankings post-spring. And, uh, you know, of course, we all know fans don't draw unreasonable conclusions from spring games, right? And, and of course, post-spring rankings. But you dropped your rankings for the that SEC podcast. And you guys do a great job, by the way. I always enjoy tuning in. But South Carolina fans are, I don't know if I'd say not accustomed to, but it's never fun to see your team near the bottom, right? And, and you guys had South Carolina ranked. 13th in the SEC power rankings post spring 2021. Now I I want to give you some benefit of the doubt first, because I don't don't know if you think I'm going to come for your neck or something. I understand where you guys are coming from in the sense of there's questions along the roster. There's questions on the coaching staff and a coach that's never been a head coach. And you're talking about a program that has won a combined six games the past two years. Now from the South Carolina side of things, you get in South Carolina circles, you know, we think of, you know, this is a much more talented roster than the last coaching staff made it out to be. And you start looking at the schedule and, you know, no, call it for what it is, Mike. No South Carolina fan, even to this day, even after you, you lost six of seven to them, nobody's going to sit here and say Kentucky's a better football program than South Carolina. Nobody wants to say Missouri's a better football program than South Carolina. Just talk me through your rankings. How much ha- of it has to do with the roster? How much of it has to do with the coaching staff? And how much of it has to do with just what the programs are in the last years? Or is it just a combination of all those things I just mentioned? Um, yeah, no. When I base these power rankings, I do it. Uh, I, I put very little value in the actual spring game, kind of like you said. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a combination of uh, the information that I pick up during spring camp. And I've got to be one of the only few people that are sitting here watching all these damn press conferences for every one of these coaches. I mean, I know the fans do it for their team, but you try doing it for 14. I mean, it's, it's like pulling damn teeth, but uh, so, you know, it's a combination of all those factors and and really more than anything about the roster on hand and the fact that uh, South Carolina, I mean, they lost some really good talent, not only to the NFL, but to the transfer portal. And I think that was evident by, you know, all the additions they made 
via the transfer portal. And we got to credit the coaching staff for doing that. But I think it's very easy as a fan base, and this is not unique to South Carolina by any means, but I think it's very easy, you know, when you add these players via the transfer portal, you say, okay, we've, we filled this hole. This guy's going to be a standout. That guy's going to be a standout. This guy's going to be a standout. It generally doesn't even work that way, to be honest with you. I mean, they're not all going to be studs. They're not, they're not all going to be studs. And almost none of them yeah. right out the gate. I mean, hell, even Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, you know, I'm not saying he was a liability his first year, but he was nothing special. Right. I mean, they got shut out against Alabama. So uh, it takes time. And you're factoring in, you know, new coaching staff on, on both sides of the ball. It's, I know they tried to keep Mike Bobo there for a minute. And so now you're factoring in, uh, implementing new offense, new defense, new players across, not all across the board, but quite a few. And, and the transfer additions, you know, suggest that uh, they weren't happy with the state of the roster. So all that combined. And I think for me, the key, I know you're a big Luke Doty Homer and I got nothing against the guy because uh, which game was it? Was it uh, Missouri? He came in, he looked like, I was like, my God, this might Connor be the next Shaw 2.0. Yeah, I mean, he looks the part, but then uh, yeah. was the next game against Kentucky, he looked terrible. So yeah. uh, is that a, is that just, you know, his inexperience? Is it, you know, Kentucky had film on him? Yeah. Uh, you know, everything I hear about Luke Doty, I think he's going to be a good player. But at the same time, I, I'm just not – I'm not ready to buy into him until, uh, until we see him in this offense. Hmm. Now, let's move into the SEC play caller rankings, Mike, because, again, you have South going to rank 12th. Uh, Marcus Satterfield ranked 11th overall. Clayton White ranked 9th overall. And again, you graded these SEC play caller rankings 12th overall. I, I'm, I'm curious, and I'm like I said, I'm totally fine with these ranks. I'm just more curious to get your take on it in the sense of, you know, I, I, I think what's interesting is one of the things that was sold, Mike, when Shane Beamer got the job, at least the South Carolina fans, was he's going to go out and hire an elite staff. And, and you started hearing some names thrown around, some, some offensive coordinator names, especially. And I graded the staff overall as a B. And I think some fans were left feeling a little underwhelmed, which, you know, I said I can't blame them because, you know, Marcus Satterfield, very much an unknown. He was the head man at Tennessee Tech. He worked under Joe Brady at the Panthers. Outside of that, it's like, what has he really done? Clayton White was at Western Kentucky, had really good defense. He's going to bring the 4-2-5 at Columbia. But again, is he really that, that splash, if you will? And I know we get all so caught up in the splash hire where it's like, you more so need to focus on the right fit and bringing a guy who's going to bring a system that works where you are. You don't get so caught up. I mean, Mike Bobo technically is a splash hire, but we all see kind of how that worked, and, and Gamecock fans don't have any nice things to say about him. But when you look at those two guys, you know, offensively, again, like I said, Satterfield is bringing that Joe Brady passing concept, and you think of Shane Beamer. He's been under Lincoln Riley, and obviously there are things they want to do, but it more so comes back to what you can do with this roster. But then defensively, the 4-2-5, like I said, coming back to Columbia, utilizing your, your athleticism up front. When you take a look at these two guys, like I said, you rank them 12th, and I understand that because of lack of experience, but what are the things you like, things you don't like? What do you make of these two coordinators, OC and DC? Uh, yeah, and I, I should mention with the uh, offensive coordinators, uh, Satterfield, and and then you look at uh, Kentucky's new coordinator, Liam Cohen, and LSU's Yeah, I guess they were all ranked Pete's. 11th, huh? There's four yeah, of them ranked and, 11th. And that's just because I just didn't feel right giving those assigning those guys – you know, one better than the other because right, right. they, they kind of have similar backgrounds to where 
you know, NFL background or at a different level of college football that frankly, I don't watch and I'm not going back and watching Tennessee tech <laughs> tape. You know, I'm, I'm I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, so it's not, I didn't feel it was right to, to kind of rank one of those guys above the other, but I mean, how, how can you put them any higher when, the, when you've just not seen much from them, but you, you hit it right there. I mean, Joe Brady, his impact has been very real, not only on the SEC, but in the NFL. And if that's what he's bringing to South Carolina, uh, what do I have to judge that on is just looking at those offenses that they've run uh, at Carolina last season in the NFL and LSU the year prior in the college ranks. I mean, it's very dependent on the quarterback and the receivers. And what's the biggest question marks I got for South Carolina? It's uh, quarterback and receivers. So how effective can they run that offense? I mean, they're gonna, he's going to have to make major tweaks to it, I think, for South Carolina to have an effective offense this year. And that's assuming that Luke Doty is the answer, which he may very well be. But is he going to have the options to throw the ball to? I don't know. I, if I'm looking at South Carolina's roster, I'm leaning on, you know, the best running back group in the SEC and a veteran offensive line. But how does that mesh with what Joe Brady's doing? I don't, I don't know that it does. So I'm not saying Mark, Marcus Satterfield can't adjust. He's a good coach. He'll adjust. And then uh, when it comes to Clayton White, you know, it's, like you said, he's had some very good defenses at Western Kentucky, and he was certainly not one that was a big name. Uh, but that just because you ain't getting a big name doesn't mean they're not that, you know, uh, big name means nothing on game day. It, ma it matters what you do when your opportunity comes. And this looks like it's Clayton White's time to, uh, you know, show what he can do at the highest level of college football. And it is funny that you mentioned that because, hey, I said the same thing. I thought uh, Beamer, I thought the appeal was he was going to hire these big name assistant coaches and we were going to ready to roll. I thought, and that's kind of, I hate to keep going back to Sam Pittman, but I thought that was like the game plan. That's what he did. And then uh, Gamecock fans jump all over my ass because they said they don't want no SEC retread. So, hey, I hear you. I mean, maybe you got the best staff in the SEC now, but uh, I think there's, there's some value to having SEC experience in it. That doesn't mean that, like you said, you don't have to go hire the latest Nick Saban assistant to turn the thing around. I think, hell, I know Steve Sarkeesian, Texas, is all fired up about it. To hell with that guy. Like, I've seen what he can do at multiple stops. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he had 11 NFL players last year. So, of course, Alabama's kicking everybody's ass. So, if you were, if you were to ask me would I trade Shane Beamer for Steve Sarkeesian, I would say hell no. Uh you know, I, I would not want a guy like that. So I, there were game there, there were Gamecock know? fans that wanted Sarkeesian now. Well, he's a big name, I guess. Right. right. I'll, but I'll I've seen him. I've seen him drink his ass out of a, a out of another job called SC, and I would True. not want that in Columbia. I, I'll ask you this, man. It just kind of on a side note. Uh -huh. More, what is more likely in your mind that Shane Beamer and we'll say his staff. I mean, staffs can change, right? But that the Shane Beamer, I don't want to say project, but overall, Shane Beamer is a grand slam. And I'm not saying grand slam like get to that idiot in the upstate's level or Georgia's level winning national. I'm thinking more so like winning eight, nine games a year every two, three years, competing for the SEC East title realistically. What's more likely, that hire being a grand slam or it being a complete dud in South Carolina redoing this in five years? Wait, first of all, that's a grand slam for South Carolina winning eight I, I games think, a year? I think, I think starting out, it has to be. If you can get to the year-in, year-out point, and I wanted to get to this question later. We can talk about it now. 
realistic expectations for the South Carolina football program? Because I don't think you can say right now you can put on Shane Beamer, okay, we got to start competing for national titles. I mean, this is realistically a program that has won nine games or more, I think seven or eight times in its entire history. So, mm-hmm. and I'm at, dude, I'm as big a Gamecock fan. And I, you know, I, I'm, I want the, I love the high expectation. You know, I, I talk Carolina baseball and the expectation every year is to get to Omaha and people get upset. When we don't get there. And it's like, I love that. You know, that you have, I mean, Alabama doesn't win a national title. It's a bad year, right? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to have expectations. But, you know, I, I think you got you to gotta walk before you can run, right? <laughs> like you, you need right, to get right. to the point kind of like where Michigan State is or, or you know what I'm saying, like to the point of where you're, you're realistically competing. Maybe every two or three years you have the right quarterback or the right roster or the, you schedule right, God forbid, or the SEC East is down or whatever it may be. But, you know, winning 11 games three years in a row, Mike, I mean, again, I'm the biggest Gamecock fan there is, but do you think that's realistic? I mean, winning 11 games a year with Georgia's not going anywhere. Florida's Florida. Tennessee is doing, I mean, I know they're a dumpster fire. I know, I guess you're a Tennessee guy a little bit, right? They're doing everything in their power, though, to get back, and they have the tradition. They have that advantage over you. Hell, everybody is trying to win. I like to remind fans, Mike, everybody else is trying to win, too. Like, we're not the only team that's recruiting. We're not the only team that wants to win, right? So, I guess I ask you that first question. And the second question, what would you say are realistic year-in, year-out expectations for Carolina football, at least starting out. At some point, of course, you want to be, but I don't think even Clemson started out with, we're going to get to the playoff every year. They had to start out with, okay, we got to compete for the ACC title. Well, I guess to answer your first question, I think it's more realistic that uh, Shane Beamer can, I won't call it a grand slam, but I think he can consistently win eight games at South Carolina. Maybe not right out the gate. I don't see this team doing quite that, but um, I do like, you know, the, there is many pieces to build upon and uh, you know, credit to him to, you know, it's, it really seemed like uh, their recruiting ranking was terrible, but uh, of course, Gamecock fans know, well, first of all, the re- recruiting rankings, that's not, I am a big fan of, uh, you know, I think those guys do a hell of a job and, and you gotta, you can't win on the football field to win in recruiting, but they can South Carolina got screwed with the rankings because instead of, targeting a bunch of high school seniors they targeted a bunch of transfers and those don't factor into the recruiting ranking so their ranking is is kind of i just completely disregard it so i credit them for for identifying what they're i think he's looking at the roster and kind of saying you know this cannot be a three or four year rebuild we've got enough pieces to where if we add some veteran players in a year or two we can turn this into seven eight win program so i credit him for for swinging big right out the fence because I think that's what you got to do in the SEC. Yeah, we're running coaches off now. Chad Morris didn't even get two years. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt got three years and then uh, we turned him into the NCAA. Which, it, which so. it's crazy because I don't know if any coach had more – I may be wrong saying this, but I, I, I feel like Jeremy Pruitt had so much momentum coming into last year, and then it just it disappeared quicker than it came. I mean, it was insane how that happened. Oh yeah. I lived it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You did. Of course it was, it was, I was like, you know, they beat South kind of week one and you're like, bro, Jeremy Pruitt, he is just, he's on cloud nine. He's the best thing. And then a couple weeks Here's later, what happened. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. They, they were under the impression JT Daniels was coming there and he was coming to Tennessee. And then at the 11th hour, like often happens in Athens, uh, he made the announcement. He's going to Georgia. So right. They were like, oh, what the hell? Now we got another year of Garantano. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not one that sits here and bashes these college players, but Garantano, they, he cost Jeremy Pruitt his job. And if, if, if they would have got JT Daniels, they would have never come forward with all these uh, recruiting violations and and Jeremy Pruitt's still your head coach, I think. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, let's talk about Luke Doty. We're talking quarterbacks. Let's talk Luke Doty because it sounds like you're not quite as, I'm not going to say like I'm crazy high on Luke Doty, but it doesn't sound like you're quite as high on Luke Doty as some others. And again, it's a situation where he's only played three games. You can't take anything away from what he did last year because it was the must champ era and Mike Bobo. And I mean, I just think for people to try to draw conclusions, you know, I have fans flooding the mentions every day oh he can't throw and I think that's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard like you can't take that away from those three games and like you mentioned the quarterback battle at South Carolina the offense and what they're going to do offensively you mentioned the running back duo which I want to get to in just a second that running back room that they have it is going to be a run first offense I mean I, I, I've, I've told everyone this all offseason I will stick to this and I'll make this bet with you Mike and anybody else wants to take it in games where South kind of throws the ball 30 times or more, I think they lose every one of them. I, I, honestly, I think it's going to be 75-25 running the football. That will be the key to success for Carolina. When you look at Luke Doty's game overall, again, things you like, things you don't like, and I'm not sure if you got to watch a ton of the spring game, but Jason Brown impressed people. The transfer from St. Francis, obviously he comes in along with his buddy EJ Jenkins, who I think is going to be an awesome Red zone threat for Carolina at six foot seven and a half, six foot eight or so. But he slung it around pretty well. And like I said, fans never just draw conclusions from spring games. But of course, you come out of that, oh, there's a quarterback battle. Jason Brown should QB1. And Shane Beamer was very quick to say, Luke Doty is our guy. What do you make of the quarterback battle? Things you like, things you don't like about Luke Doty. Do you expect Luke Doty to be QB1 at South Carolina and overall prospects of him flourishing in a Shane Beamer and Satterfield offense? Well, I'd say the number one thing that uh, I, you know, you don't want to go back to the Will Muschamp era, but I will for a moment because uh, it's not often that you get a four-star quarterback that comes into a program and, you know, all these guys are coming in with high expectations and, and want to be the man and, you know, they want the reps and everything. And South Carolina needed help at receiver. And what did he do? He went out there and suited up at receiver. So, I mean, that was, that showed me a lot more than anything else when it just comes to Luke Doty, just being a team player, being a, a, an eventual leader, which I think he has already emerged as one of the leaders for the Gamecock. So I thought that was pretty outstanding. And uh, just, you can see why they trotted him out there at receiver, just as the, the speed, the power, uh, the burst he's got, I think that could really serve Carolina well. But I don't want to say I'm sitting here doubting him, but I just put him as a question mark. Yep. And you'll see that's the same I have with, like, everybody's all over this at new Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young. I'm not seeing anything from him. I mean, all these guys in that category, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just – they're just question marks to me, you know? And – uh you know, some of the decision-making I thought in that Kentucky game wasn't great. But again, I think asking a true freshman to do anything last year without a spring with, you know, it was just so weird last year that uh, I don't really hold anything against any, particularly of true freshman quarterback getting thrown into the lineup. So I think uh, just Luke Doty's playmaking ability with his legs, you know, that, that stands out to me as long in addition to his leadership and just his ability to do whatever the coaching staff's going to ask him to do to help the team. And uh, I think that goes a long way with a new staff. And that's probably why Shane Beamer came out and said, 
you know, you're, you're, he's our QB one until proven otherwise. Now, like I said, they're going to lean on the running game, Mike. I, I think that's safe to say, and we all know what Kevin Harris did last year during that 2020 season. And what, what was craziest about what Kevin did, rushing for over 1,100 yards, was the fact that it got to a point in the Carolina season where teams knew the Gamecocks were going to run it, right? I mean, they just knew, right? And he just kept keeping on. I mean, he kept doing his thing. Um, now you get Marshawn Lloyd back from injury, who I know you guys ranked very, very highly as one of the top impact guys last year. He gets hurt. He's clear to go with everything June 1st. He made clear uh, via social media. you know. And then you see Zaquandre White in the spring game. And I thought Rashad Amos looked pretty good out of the backfield when he came in his limited time. But mainly it's going to be Harris and Lloyd. I think they have the potential to be truly that one-two punch, that dynamic you look for in an SEC backfield. Just talk about the running game at South Carolina. Again, you also return four or five offensive linemen with over 100 career starts amongst them. Again, I know they weren't great last year, but anytime you have veterans like that, it's only going to help you. And again, they help pave the way for what Cameron Harris did. What do you like about the Gamecocks running game? Again, Harris, Lloyd, you can take a look at that. Where does it rank for you? Like you said, I think you said it's, it's one of the best, if not the best backfield in the conference. Well, I'm going to try to piss you off real quick. <laughs> So why all the just, just say South Carolina fans hate Mike Bobo so much when I, I personally, I didn't know who the hell Kevin Harris was last year. And I thought he was one of the best running backs in the SEC. Mm. Now we got to give Kevin Harris all the credit in the world, but you know, Mike Bobo was the one that was dialing up those plays with, uh, I, I know probably your answer is probably going to be the quarterback play, but mm. the fact that they were able to run the ball without having an effective quarterback. I mean, I, again, I think that's a credit to the play calling and, uh, you know, they basically had one receiver that I thought was reliable in Shai Smith. So can you answer my question first? About what the, the boat? I mean, yeah, yeah. Carolina fans definitely hate Bobo. <laughs> I mean, but we it, literally. But last year it was the defense that fell apart. I mean, yeah, the, no, it was. Defense, no, it's, yeah, it most, it most certainly was. Offense, I mean, South you give Carolina would have had a good team. Yeah, you, you give up 100. No, and I, trust me, dude, I, I defended Colin Hill throughout the season. I Trust me. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, Carolina fans hate Mike Bobo. Heck, we, we sell shirts and say all my homies hate Mike Bobo. So, I mean, if that gives you any indication. Um, and, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people rocking those when Auburn visits Columbia the week before the Clemson game. But That's one of no, my favorite I mean, games. Yeah, yeah, no, Auburn for sure. Auburn coming to Columbia. Yeah, it, the fact they're coming there two years in a row, too. Now, it, 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 <laughs> you know, that whole saga, which, which it's wild, by the way, Mike, and we could get on a whole other tangent about this, but it's wild how Mike Bobo came to South Carolina brings a transfer quarterback, starts said transfer quarterback, and then, of course, with the Ryan Holinsky, he transfers. He goes to Auburn. Now he's bringing in a transfer quarterback. <laughs> like, there's the same exact – like, it feels – I'm like, well, we've seen this movie before. But to your point, and again, Gamecock fans may hate me for it, I, I, I was a – when Mike Bova was named, you know, remember Shane Beamer named as the OC, right? He, he right. named – we're going to keep him around. I told Gamecock fans, hey – like, like you're mentioning, he didn't do as bad of a job as I think people – people want someone to blame. You know that. People want someone to blame. I don't think he did quite as bad of a job as everybody made it out to be. It was more the Holinsky thing, I think, that drove the hate for Bobo, but I defended Colin Hill. He was – yeah, he was a game manager, but for the offense and the weapons they had and the wide receiver room, I mean, what else are you going to ask him to do? I mean, honestly, and I, right. you know, I, I the only – the only – uh you know, the only thing I was disappointed with, I thought they went to Doty too late, to be honest with you. But, you know, 
that that's here nor there but yeah so <laughs> oh yeah so okay we, so to answer we could we could spend by the way we could spend the entire off season with gamecock fans just talking about the mike bobo ryan Halinski saga people will never let that go i'm telling you there right you now. go i just lined up to your next three yeah. months of content literally there, but, literally uh, thank you <laughs> you know if i'm a south carolina fan maybe i'm looking at it as uh kind of like texas a&m who obviously had a hell of a year last year uh, you can't make complete comparison because it's different rosters different coaching staff obviously but uh texas a&m you know i know i know kevin uh excuse me kellen mon gets a ton of credit for what he did and he's a good player but that was an offense led by the offensive line led by uh, their running back spiller who mm-hmm. is yeah. kind of like a kevin harris and then anaya smith who if south carolina uses marshawn lloyd like they did him where you know uh, kind of uh, an explosive back out of the field and they also use them in the return game. They also use them as a receiver. Uh, I think that's your recipe for South Carolina this upcoming season. And like I said, that's, that's what drove uh, Texas A&M to a nine and one season, second best record in the sec. And if, uh, if I'm the Gamecocks, I'm trying to follow that blueprint. Uh, and like, you know, like I said, Kellamon Hill, he just got drafted in the NFL. I'm not trying to crap on him, but he was just never, you know, an elite game breaker. And I, they just never really had the receivers, I thought, mm. to to win the SEC. So, hey, it's kind of – that kind of matches what the Gamecocks have right now. So, that's the blueprint I'm looking at. And, and I, I hope the South Carolina staff is kind of doing the same. Now, Mike, let's move to the actual 2021 season. And, of course, the, the conversation shifts from, you know, the preseason, the spring game, to first-year expectations for Shane Beamer. You take a look at this schedule – very friendly in the first half. You look at the second half, you know, we mentioned Auburn, but you've got, got teams like Texas A&M, Florida, Clemson, you know, at Mizzou. It is a very tough stretch in that second half. When it comes to overall record, overall record, and also, though, just what you want to see from South Carolina as a football team, because I think at least for me, Mike, you know, the record's important, but in some ways it's secondary for me in year one of the Shane Beamer era. What are things, if you were speaking to South Carolina fans, if you could say, hey, this is what you should be looking for, this is what you should most be paying attention to outside of the record. We'll start there. If you were talking to Carolina fans, you're saying, this is what you should be paying attention to most outside of the record. I'm sure you're having this conversation with Tennessee fans as well. What are the things fans should be looking for and you would most want to see in Shane Beamer's first year? Uh, I would say the defense making strides because it was just god-awful at times last year. But 36 that, points per game, by the way, last year. 36 <laughs> points per game. But, you know, it's, you'd, be, you'd be surprised how many, you know, many shows I do like this and I'm saying, well, the defense has got to improve. Defense across the board in college football yeah. was just down. So I think uh, defense makes a stride. That's what you got to be looking for. And like, you know, your, your boy right there, Luke Doty, I'm, you got a Luke Doty tattoo. I, I can't tell there on the <laughs> yeah, neck. Right here, here you go. Uh, he's, he's got <laughs> four years potentially to play. So uh, I think you got to find out what you got in him and see if he's your guy. Uh, so that, those are kind of the keys to me. And just, uh, you know, I, I think the way you really spur a new coaching staff, there's a lot to sell. Uh, obviously, the, the tremendous facilities they got down there, once players get down there, uh, start buying into the program. But how you really get that thing going is you can talk about it because everybody talks about it. Right. And it's, you know, that can be disappeared real quick. If you go out, out here and you go 
you know, God forbid, one and seven in the SEC or something terrible like that. So what you got to do is obviously win your winnable games here, your non-conference games uh, outside of uh, the final one there. But, you know, you got to upset somebody, whether that be Texas A&M or Georgia or Florida or something like that. And hell, you best not lose to Mike Bobo. I think Auburn may be the worst team in the West this year. So I think that's that's probably a lot more winnable game than, than a lot of people, maybe not South Carolina fans, but national people are, are giving them credit for. Hell, they whoop Auburn's ass last year. Do it again and then get you another one like a Florida. Uh, I hate to even call Kentucky an upset at this point, but yeah. it, it may be. I think Kentucky is going to be pretty good. But uh, I think you really got to get – like a Georgia or, you know, some of these may be unrealistic, but all you need is one and you can, you can build upon that. And, and that's something you sell to recruits to say, yeah, maybe we, maybe we go six and six this year, but we beat insert Texas A&M or Florida or something like that. And we could beat the rest of them if we get you on campus. So that's kind of what I'm looking at if I'm a Gamecock fan. Yeah. And a lot of people ask Mike, what's the most realistic, uh, upset game of the 2021 season you mentioned a couple of them I, I look at florida that's a really interesting one you know florida the week before they've got the lar- the world's largest outdoor cocktail party Do they even still call it about that by the way i i, I figured a couple they're of years not allowed ago, but they still do right of course of course <laughs> cocktail party whatever florida georgia georgia florida whatever you want to call it they've got that game the previous week south Carolina is on a buy and that game of course is in columbia i look at that one that's really potentially interesting in regards to a a big upset as far as a statement win. I had somebody ask me, what, what's a great statement win? I, I think that's your best opportunity. What's really interesting, Mike, about this year is South Carolina is going to be the dog in a lot of these games you mentioned. I mean, even Kentucky. I'd be shocked if South Carolina's favored in that one. Even with it being in Columbia, they probably won't be favored against Auburn unless at you know, that point in the season it's so late. When you look at the schedule, I mean, if you had to pick one, I guess you just rattled off a couple, but, you know, what would you say is that what would be the biggest statement game out of those I mentioned or one that you look at is like that is the best possible opportunity for Shane Beamer to kind of get the momentum going. Like you said, even if you go six and six, you get that big one, though, and it's like you can sell that recruits like, hey, we're just a couple of pieces away. This isn't some total rebuild like people are trying to make it out to be. We're only a few guys away. You get you get those guys to come to Columbia and all of a sudden things turn around. Which one of those games would you look at it? it you know, just putting you on the spot. Which one would you look at and say that's the one? Oh, I already got one ready for you, brother. I'm going. You're going to like this. Week three at Georgia, and I'll tell you why. Because, uh, you know, I see, of course, Georgia opens against Clemson. Mm -hmm. So there's a very good chance they lose that game. So there's a chance that Georgia's already, I don't want to say exposed, but maybe – you know, some flaws are shown on the field against Clemson. There's not going to be much of a cupcake for them going, obviously opening the season against one of the toughest teams, probably, uh, you know, in the ACC there. And then if you're South Carolina, what do you really have to show to beat Eastern Illinois and East Carolina? Mm. Now, I mean, they can't lay in eggs in any of those games clearly, but uh, I think Shane Beamer and company are going to have some tricks for uh, the Bulldogs and, uh, I just think that's one where, you know, Georgia's got a lot of turnover on that offensive line. JT Daniels, I know everybody's hyping him up. He's going to high has been all this bullshit. Well, you know who he beat last year? He beat Mississippi State. They were god-awful. 
no disrespect, South Carolina, they were awful. Right. Uh, Missouri, by the end of the year, was pretty awful. And then he beat Cincinnati. Wow, let's give him a fucking trophy. You know, that's not that impressive to me. So maybe the JT Daniels thing could be a little overrated. They already lost George Pickens. And uh, there was a couple games where Georgia got exposed on the defensive side last year. And if you look, you go a step further, they lost their top five corners. And they're turning around. They're, they're hitting this transfer portal to get, add everyone they can. At, uh, at defensive back. So I think Kirby's worried about, uh, you know, his favorite position group was the defensive backfield. So I think there's some flaws. And if, uh, you know, it's kind of like Arkansas last season where, you know, they came out, they were pretty, they were pretty tough. They won uh, two of the first four. And this was an Arkansas team that had won a damn SEC game in two years. Mm. And everybody said it was going to go 0-10. They were the damn laughing stock of the SEC. And I said they were going to win multiple SEC games and they did. But, a team like that is going to come out stronger in the first half of the season before, uh, you know, the, the attrition and, and the depth kind of can, can get exposed by the end of the year. So I think South Carolina's best shot to pull an upset is going to be early in the year. And we all know that Georgia game, who knows what can happen in that thing. So uh, I'll pinpoint Georgia as that upset. Seven o'clock. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not predicting it. I'm just right, saying right, 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 that's right, the right. one where I think it could happen. Right, right. Seven o'clock kick between the hedges. And you mentioned Kirby Smart and the defensive backfield. He's concerned. Hey, he's got Will Muschamp to help him out now. What what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Hey, I was going to say, there's there's no salt on the JT Daniels side of things because of the Tennessee ties, right? I mean, I, of course, that that would never that would never creep into your uh, analysis. Now, you can, you can dig this up. Uh, when JT Daniels <laughs> committed to Georgia, I said, Georgia's got their quarterback that will lead them to a national title. Yeah. And I still think yeah. that. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to win the Heisman. I don't think he's that caliber. That's the thing with Georgia. They're so loaded that they don't need a Heisman Trophy winner. They just need someone that can push the ball down the field, that in key games like Alabama, like Florida, can make a handful of throws. Mm -hmm. That guy's like, I don't know what in the hell they're doing with Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. Like <laughs> Kirby should basically be fired for that's being his quarterback <laughs> room at this point in his career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's God. Oh, awful. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he, he's just, he is a big time player. I think he'll play in the NFL, but again, I don't think he's like the next Joe Burrow or anything right, that, right. and they don't need it because their, their team is so loaded. So, uh, I, I do think he's a good player for sure. For sure. Mike, you've been gracious with your time before I get you out of here. One last thing you mentioned, uh, of course it's talking season, it's prediction season. And you mentioned you don't have Bama winning the sec West. I'm curious, who's your East winner? Who's your West winner? I was going to ask, is it as simple as Georgia, Alabama, and Alabama wins the whole thing? But it doesn't sound like that's the case in your mind. How do you see it playing out this year in the SEC? Well, I think Georgia, I think they're the only option in the yeah. East this year. I think they're going to run away with it. But, man, in the West, I, I honestly have not really made my prediction here. I'm still wrestling with it. It's going to be Alabama, LSU, or Texas A&M. And I don't see much separation between those teams at the moment. Uh, of course, Alabama has to go to Texas A&M. Texas A&M's got to go to LSU. So you know, I'm trying to figure out uh, if these coordinators are worth a damn at LSU because uh, <laughs> last time, I mean, Coach O <laughs> rolled two turkeys last year, and now they're gone. But, you know, prior to that, he landed a guy. Of course, we all know Joe Brady now, but nobody knew who the hell that was when he hired him. So uh, did he get the next Joe Brady and Joe Pete's? Maybe if he did, I think LSU is going to get it done. So – um, I'm really kind of keying in on LSU. I think that's probably going to be my pick to win the SEC West. But uh, 
Yeah, it's like I said, I'm just uh, Bryce Young is a huge question mark to me. New offensive line for the most part, new running back, new offensive coordinator, new receivers. There's a lot to not like about Alabama. And I know they just at this point, we just assume they're going to kick everybody's ass. But right. I don't I don't buy that logic. I mean, I know they they've got more talent than just about anybody, but um, I need to see it. I, I think they might get upset week three too, going on the road to Florida. That's that's one of my favorite games of the SEC calendar right now, going into the swamp with a new quarterback that's never been uh, on the road in the SEC as a starter. I think, uh, and then, like I said, L- at A&M, LSU's beaten Alabama in Tuscaloosa before. Uh, I, think, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tricky games for Alabama this year. For sure. Well, Mike, appreciate the time, man. Like I said, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I know we'll do it again before the season starts, but uh, less than 100 days to kick off, my friend. It feels good to say that. And again, obviously a great SEC season upcoming, but I appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. This beer, I didn't realize it was 9% alcohol. I'm fucking, I'm a Feeling little, I'm good. drunk over here. Hey, might have to get you a Beamer Ball hat. You can slip it on real quick. I'm sure that won't make anybody on your uh, your following mad, for sure. So again, he's yeah, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah, he's Michael Bratton, a.k.a. SEC Mike. I'm Chris Fultz. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.